0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an
1: authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's word and seek his direction in our lives. Um, I wanted to share a testimony of where I kind of walked into something that Matt asked us to do, and that was to pray for a stranger. I feel like that Sunday when he said that, I had a had a thought of in my mind of someone in my neighborhood that I see walk by my house all the time I wanted to pray for, um, but it probably was months later. Um, I happened to be driving through my neighborhood and saw her, and um, I went and parked at my house and saw her coming up the road towards me. So I said, well, I guess this is a good time, Lord. (laughs) So um, I kind of walked up to her kind of slowly. She had her dog with her and she walks almost religiously every day. I feel like I see her and um, I just said, hi, I just wondered if I could um, ask you This might seem strange, but I wanted to ask if um, you would have anything that you would need prayer for. And she kind of looked kind of wide-eyed at me and um, she pulled her phone up and went and found a picture. And she said when she was 12, she had a surgery and it had to do with um, a a scoliosis that she had and something about her spine was not straight and that she has to have another surgery coming up. And so she said that was probably one of the things that she needed prayer for as well as raising a grandson. So I just asked her if I could pray for her. I um, I didn't even lay my hands on her, I just started praying and I, my prayer kind of went, Lord, would you please, um, Just touch Christine. Uh, Lord, I pray that she would feel your presence even now, Lord, knowing that you care for her. And Lord, I pray that um, you would help her uh, just with her grandson to be a strong role model and that you would just help her with any cares or any fears that she might have. After the prayer was over, I saw my neighbor with his dog walking towards us and went the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty funny. Um, But anyway, I just mentioned to her I was kind of a little bit of an introvert, that this was not something that was easy for me and kind of out of the ordinary. And she told me that she was also sort of an introvert. And so we kind of laughed about that. Basically the thing that touched me the most after I got done praying, she said, I don't think anyone has ever prayed for me before in my life and so that was incredible to hear that the Lord cared enough to have someone pray for her. So um, a couple things I found um, in thinking about praying for others, prayer is an integral part of the Christian experience, but it's easy for life to get so chaotic and busy that we suddenly find ourselves praying only when we're in need, when we face a struggle, or when we want God to intervene for some other reason. But the Bible tells us that we should also pray for others to thank God and to express hope. And then in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. And I really needed to, to ask the Lord for strength, just to do something like that, and it happened It happened to be that my mom was in town, and she was inside. Um, And when I ran inside, I just told her, mom, you will never guess what happened. And I felt really obedient, because that was something that Matt had asked us to do to pray for someone else that we didn't know. So I think I even, Uh, texted or called Matt that afternoon. I was kind of on a high from just stepping out. So anyway, I I encourage you to um, share your faith um, in the way of praying for others today.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, uh, my name is Matt Poorman. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Go ahead. (laughs) Glad you're here this morning. And uh, actually, I'm going to jump off that video just a little bit, talk us about about something, throw something out to you before we jump into our teaching. Um, And that is uh, periodically over the last year, if you've been around here at Cornerstone, I've been throwing out these pray out loud challenges. Um, And uh, again, you just heard uh, the experience that Kim had. Uh, with the last one that we did. And so I wanted to give you today uh, our next Pray Out Loud challenge. Actually, our last one for 2022. And the last two that we have done, uh, I said, oh, man, that's like somebody really loud outside. Um, sorry, I was distracted. I was like, what's happening? The, the building is rumbling. All right. Um so anyway, the last two that I've given to you, like I would, I would say, hey, here's this week, pray, do this. And, and then, hey, this week, do this. And, and this particular last pray out loud challenge is it could be this week that you do this, but it could happen uh, that maybe you do this over the course of the holidays. And the challenge is this. You guys ready? Here we go. The challenge is that I want you to pray out loud with someone that you are in conflict with. Who's glad they came to church today? Okay, here's your pray out loud challenge because here's, uh, and you, you, if you've been around, you know that the first challenge was to pray for somebody that you're really comfortable praying with. The last, last one, again, what Kim was talking about was to pray for somebody uh, that you didn't know. And, and it have been pro- progressively getting harder. I think this is a lot harder to pray for someone that you're in conflict with. But here's the idea. Over the next few weeks and months, we are likely, every single one of us in the room, we're going to be in the room, in the building with people that we are likely in conflict with because of the holidays, Right? We, uh, how many, I I am not naive enough to think that you're gonna be happy-go-lucky with everybody you're gonna be in a room with, okay? And here's my thought is, what if, what if we would be willing to press in and to ask somebody if we could pray out loud for them and God might actually use that prayer to to decrease and maybe even eliminate the tension that may be between us? That would be a good thing. So I know that this is a challenge. It's why it's called the Pray Out Loud Challenge. Okay, I know this is hard, but I, I think it's worth maybe thinking about. Um, and so uh, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna give you that challenge uh, to pray out loud for somebody over the next few months um, that you're in, in conflict with. And if you would, we would love it if you would even like put it on social media, the story, put the story on social media because and with the hashtag prayer leap. Because I think uh, I know actually God will show up and do stuff. Like I'm confident that God will show up and do stuff. Okay, so. With that, we're actually going to circle back to that later today as well. We're going to jump into our teaching for the day. If you want to grab a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 68. That's where we're going to land today, Psalm 68. 68. If you don't have a paper Bible, there are paper Bibles spread throughout the auditorium. About every other seat or so, if you'd like to grab one of those, or you can go to sermons.church on a browser on your device and uh, search for Cornerstone Church and all the scriptures, fill in the blanks, everything will be there for you. Okay. And to get us started today, um, I want to talk a little bit about what happened to my, uh, my family and I, what we did Friday night. So Friday night, my family and I, we watched a great movie entitled Enola Holmes' Two, It's actually the sequel. It's actually a Netflix series uh, sequel to the original Enola Holmes movie that came out in 2020. And uh, we really enjoyed hanging out. We actually ate lava cakes and watched a movie. Uh, it was wonderful. So it was great. Um, but I talk about that and I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. But in both of these movies, in Enola Holmes 2 and Enola Holmes, you can leave those pictures up there just for a little bit. Uh, in, in, um, in both these movies, it, it, it stars uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, she's the young lady lady there in the, in the middle, and she plays Enola Holmes, who is Sherlock Holmes's teenage sister, okay? And both films uh, are kind of the, the story unfolds of the adventures and things that she kind of finds herself in. She's kind of her own super sleuth in her own right, and those, so it kind of follows her story, probably likely what very much Sherlock Holmes was when he was a young boy, all right? And, and the point of bringing this up, beyond just to encourage you to watch these films, they are Absolutely entertaining, all right? So watch these films. But beyond that, um, is to, I want to talk about the uniqueness of Millie's character's name. You can bring up that, that other slide. Um, like her name is Enola. And she actually talks about this at the very beginning of the first film, film but um, a very unique name, right? Kind of a unique name. And she even says, Enola, if you may have noticed, backwards spells alone. And it's actually a foreshadowing of the, the way that the story in the very first film kind of unfolds. And Enola has to figure out how to live life on her own. But her name backwards is It Spells Alone. And, and so I started to think about, as a, because this was on my mind, because we watched this film, I started to think about the word alone. It, uh, it's a word that often brings with it a negative tone, doesn't it? Um, kind of a negative emotion and like being alone can often feel very like heavy, can feel lonely. Uh, so much so that for some of us in the room, like um, you're, you're in this room today and you feel alone. You feel heavy. You feel lonely because um, you're walking through a, a situation and a season in your life where, where you are indeed alone. That might actually describe the, the circumstances of your life currently. And you might be in a place where you, you have this sense of heaviness in your life. Um, and some of you may even be in that place when, in fact, there are a lot of people around. We were just talking about the fact that we're going to be around a bunch of people at the holidays. The holidays, for some people, can be around a ton of people and be the most lonely time of the year. And so there are just seasons and times. And I'm a, some of you know that I'm an extreme extrovert. I know that's shocking to you. But I'm an extreme extrovert, right? And so, like, but even for people like me, there are times and seasons where I can feel a little alone. I can feel lonely. There are just times in life where in seasons where we feel that way. And so, since that is the case, um, my guess is you probably experienced some of that too. I I wanna talk about that today. I wanna talk about when we're in times and seasons of aloneness and loneliness, ultimately, talk about um, some truths to potentially grab onto in those times. That we may be able to, in fact, not just stay in those feelings, but press through them, get to the other side. Because the, the Bible actually talks about in the book of Genesis, it says this in Genesis chapter 2.18. It says that the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be, and then here's our word, alone. It is not good for us, for a man, for a woman, for for me, for you. It is not good for us to be alone. And so it's not good for us to stay in our heaviness and loneliness. It's not good for us. And so there's value in talking about how to live a life in such when we feel these times and these situations in our lives, because they're going to come, how do we get to the other side? which is what we're going to talk about today, which I think is uh, we actually had a lot of people come forward for prayer at the end of service, last, last service, so I'm hoping this will be beneficial to you as well, all right? And so um, we're going to explore that today. Uh, hold that thought for just a minute. We are currently in a series. We've got a couple more weeks in this series called All the Feels. And what we're doing in the series is we're taking a look at different feelings and emotions and that we experience in life in order to um, see what the Bible says about these things so that we can be in a place where we can better manage our emotions and feelings so that we can actually live life in a whole, a whole lot more of stability than sometimes we live. OK, so the idea is like, by the way, anybody, if you want to be more stable in your life, I want that in my life. Right. And so the reality is we're, we're talking about these things, looking at the scripture, trying to figure all this stuff out. and It's been super helpful, uh, I think, over the last few weeks. And today we're going to talk about how to manage our times and seasons of loneliness. And so our title this morning is all the feels lonely and alone. All right. And so that's our title this morning. You can bring up that title slide. And uh, to give us a framework for what we're going to talk about. Right. As I've just kind of teed this all up is we're going to be diving into this psalm in Psalm 68, which I think gives us some some significant things to grab onto, some truths to grab onto uh, in our lonely and alone time. So Psalm 68, starting in verse 4, says this. It says, Sing to God, sing in praise of of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And then we're going to add a couple of other verses. Skip to verse 19. It says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Verse 20, Our God is a God who saves. And so very short uh, little uh, chunk of Scripture there, but I think in those verses, I see a couple of really important keys. Um, to consider when we consider this idea of loneliness and uh, when we're wrestling with these feelings of being alone, and, and I want to pinpoint a couple of things t- uh, for you today, kind of point at some things, give you some things to write down. But before we do, I want to pray. So if you would pray with me as we do this. So, God, we, um, we come to you this morning. Um, just uh, putting this time of, of uh, digging into this text, God, into your hands. Because, God, we don't, just, uh, we don't want this time to be wasted. We want you to actually do something supernatural among us, God, that we can't do by human effort or my preparation, but only what your spirit can do. So, God, I pray that you would, you would do something. You would teach us. You would move some things over our time together today. And, God, specifically, I want to pray before we move on for those that are in a place, in a season, in a time, God, where they might feel lonely and alone. God, I pray that through this time and through the rest of our uh, time together this morning, that you would just engulf them with your presence and your love for them. And this would be super helpful for them in this season. God, we give this, give this time to you. We want to honor with it. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, we have three points today, so buckle up with me. I'm going to try to get through this as quick as I can. The first uh, one is this. The first truth to grab onto is loneliness doesn't stand a chance because parental wounds are supernaturally covered. You can write that in. Parental wounds are supernaturally covered. Now, I know I'm just going to tell you up front, I know that might sound a little weird when we're talking about loneliness. Now we're talking about parents. How does this all connect? I'm, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll connect it all, okay? But before we talk about a few things that um, that I think are... A few truths to dealing with loneliness in the here and now. I think it's important for us to dig a little deeper below the service and first talk about, we actually see this in the text, talk about first our internal wounds. How many of you are very excited to come to church this morning? We're gonna talk about our internal woundedness inside of our soul. Okay, we're going to talk about that in this point, all right? Um, Because here's here's what I think, and again, we see this in the text. I think sometimes the reason some of us feel lonely regularly has nothing to do with not having people around. Right? We just talked about the fact that as many of us are going to be around some people in the, in the next few months and you might be literally weekly being around people and you might feel still the loneliest that you feel all year. And why is that? Well, if I can make this case and I'm going to try to share, share this from the text is that I think sometimes um, we feel this way because we are living out of our woundedness right we we uh, as human beings we walk through things in our life and other people wound us because we're human and 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 sometimes for for most of us in the room right sometimes those wounds can actually be from our parents do you know that every parent emotionally wounds their children it's true. I mean, like, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that like people are like sinister. Right. And, and they're, they're int- intentionally trying to wound their children. Like some people do. Right. And we want those people to go to jail. Right. Um, but like the reality is, is like, not like some for me as a dad, like I don't intentionally try to emotionally hurt my children, but the reality is how many of you know I'm human? Oh man, come on. We're doing this again. Right? I'm human and because I'm human, I'm not perfect. And because I'm not perfect, that means my imperfections of humanness actually go into my parenting and my child rearing. Right? And thus, because of that, because I'm human and I'm not, I'm not perfect and I'm imperfect, right? My children actually get pain uh, created in them because I actually screw them things up sometimes. Let's be honest, right? Let, let, if you just be like you just think about this in your head, right? It happened in your life. Right? It happened in your life, right? My guess is most of us, if not every single one of us in the room, can probably identify, pinpoint some emotional wound that we were given by our parents. Likely. I made a list this week. Whether that was the environment you grew up in. Like some of you, maybe you walked in, in, your, uh, in your family this way. Your, your family, there was never to be an admission that something was wrong. Right? You had to have it all together all the time. We couldn't talk about issues in our house. We had to go pins and needles, right? Everything had to be perfect. We had to sh- like some of you you grew up in an environment like that. Some of you, you grew up in an environment where it was kind of like where I grew up, where it was World War three, four, five, six and seven. right? And it was hostile. So, so maybe that wound came from the environment you grew up in, or, or maybe for some of you, uh, there was a divorce in your family. I mean, you didn't choose to be in a position where you were in a broken family, but you find yourself in a place where you were in a broken family. Or, or maybe for some of you, it was a situation that, that your dad or, or your mom, they, they worked all the time, they were gone all the time, and so they were just absent in your life. Or some people, like, the reality is you didn't even know your parent because they literally just left you. You see, the truth is every single parent wounds their children create. And what it does is it creates this internal wound in every human being. And, and here's what I want us to catch. if Folks, if we don't deal with those internal emotional wounds that we are given by our parents, not intentionally, but in, in, unintentionally given to by our parents, can I say that sometimes what will happen, and I've seen this as pastor, I see this all the time, is that people will live in their woundedness and it will become their MO. And they get very comfortable living wounded. And, and I would even say this, I've actually experienced some people that I would, I would even say that they are imprisoned by their woundedness. And here's what I want us to catch today is that, that I think what we need to grab on today is from our verse four and five of the text is that, that there's a different way, okay? It says this in, in four and five. It says, sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, and then here it is, a father to the fatherless. He is the father to the fathers. Folks, here's what I want us to catch. That the truth is, is that if, if this is our reality, if if you're in a place where, where you might be living out of your woundedness and thus often feel lonely, here's we gotta grab onto the fact that God is the God like, who can actually heal the wound that you've been given. Amen. He can heal it. Every single wound that you've ever been given by any human being, especially even your parents, he can heal it. Loneliness doesn't stand a chance because God is the father to the father. There's a God who can cover, bandage, heal every single wound if we let him. You know, when our parents, right? And and again, I'm not trying to say that they're intentional. Some people do that. But when our parents are less than what we need them to be in those moments because they're human and we experience some fatherlessness or motherlessness, right? Here's the beauty of a God of heaven is that he can come down and he he can heal that wound. And not just put a Band-Aid on it, by the way. He can heal it. Look at this. Look at a couple of scriptures. Jeremiah 30, 17 says, but I will, that's a promise, I will restore you to health and heal your wound, declares the Lord. Come on, somebody. Amen. Psalm 147, verse three. I actually referenced this a couple weeks ago. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Folks, we have got to come to the realization, one, of the fact that we've probably likely been wounded in some way by our parents, not because they wanted to wound us, but because they're just human. And we've got to accept that and say, okay, I don't need to live in the midst of this. I need to let God kind of come in and heal that and lift me up. I was actually thinking about my own life this week, and um, I, I would say that there was a season of my life, there was a couple times, there was actually one time when I was in high school, this was kind of when I was really exploring Jesus, and I actually shared this first service that I remember, well, let me before I get there, so some of you know that my woundedness, my, my dad, uh, uh, in his alcohol, he had an addiction to alcohol that caused a lot of pain in my family. Um, he was a very quick-tempered man, uh, which unfortunately, I've actually grabbed onto some of those things in my life, and you, how many of you know we're kind of products of our environment, we either reject or embrace those things? And so there are things that I didn't want to embrace, but then there are some things I did embrace. And so I was, so been, I was wounded by my dad in his addiction and his, um, and his uh, quick temper. And then uh, even in the fact that, like, my parents, I was for a long time when I was in middle school, I was really excited about my par- the fact that my parents were still together. I had friends that their, their parents were just didn't divorce all the time, all, all over the place. And I was like, my parents are still together. And so I had to start a kind of uh, wrestling with the fact that my parents were now uh, divorced. And so I was in this place when I was in high school that, that I, was, I was living wounded. And, man, I was I actually cried for a service because my mom, I remember my mom one summer um, just crying out to God, I know, and then she even had a conversation with me to say, Matt, I hope that when you go to camp this summer that you can give God your woundedness. And so I remember that in that, that place of my life and, and being there. But then a lot of stuff just kind of kept, I, you know, we get comfortable living wounded, folks. Like, it's amazing how when we actually don't want to live that way and yet we get comfortable with it. So I started just kind of still living in my woundedness. And I remember there was a point right after college that I, I realized that I was living wounded. And so what I did is I, I set up an extended prayer session at the church. By the way, uh, in case you would love to do this, we now have the opportunity to offer that to you. There's information in your program for extended prayer at the church. And so, so I did an extended prayer session at the church. And, and during the prayer and the process of praying, because I did feel, feel in my life a sense of loneliness from my dad. Like, like the reality is I, I, I went uh, to Taylor University, the, the best Christian college in Indiana. And uh, some of you, I know, right? So I went to Taylor, but you know, what? My, my dad never came and saw me when I was in college. My dad never saw what actually was a formidable place for my spirituality. My dad never came. Um, And and my dad never came to where my first ministry job was in camp ministry. And so there was a sense of loneliness that I've experienced in my life post-college in the midst of this. And so I I set up this extended prayer uh, session. And so as we began to pray, the Lord often speaks to me in vivid images. And so I got this image of a golden treasure chest. And as we began to pray and come, okay, God, what do you want Matt to understand about the golden treasure chest? Uh, Long story short, essentially, God gave me this message, folks. He said, Matt, though though you feel like your dad didn't treasure you, his actions would speak that he didn't really care to unveil who all you were. God said this to me. He said, Matt, I treasure you. And not only do I treasure you, but here's the thing: I already know what's inside, and I like it even more. And folks, when I got to that place and I felt like the Holy Spirit had revealed that to me, how many of you know what happened next? I bawled like a baby. I just began to weep and weep and weep because the beauty of the, the beauty of a God in heaven is that he can he can heal my human father wounds because he is the father to the fatherless. This is what he does. He himself can cover, bandage, heal every single wound that we've got. We folks do not have to live in the woundedness of human beings on this planet. We don't have to lose. We, We can choose to live a different way because of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the father to the followers. And and so when our parents are are less than what we need them to be because they're just human, right? The reality is, is that in those moments, we can take those things to God and we say, God, Dad, can you heal this for me? And guess what? He will never deny that. He will never deny that in your life. And actually, one of the things that... um that I've been trying to do over the last few years, because many of you know I have three children. And so, again, there are certain things that I, didn't, I knew for sure I didn't want to do in my life to be like my dad, and so I stopped those things. like, a buck stops here, and I've been able to do those things, and other things I haven't. And so one of the things that I've been praying for my children uh, for most of their life, if not all of their life, um, is this prayer. And they, you could ask them, because they've, they've heard me pray this prayer. I, I prayed, God, will you supernaturally counteract the things that Leah and I do that will wound our children and have wound our ch- wounded our children? Because I know a God who can actually do that. Because this guy is imperfect, but the, how many of you know that we have a heavenly Father who is perfect? Amen. And so I've been praying, God, I release my children to you, and I want you to supernaturally cover everything that I'm going to do that's going to wound them, everything that Leah is going to do that's going to wound them. Supernaturally, God, cover those things. Now, if that prayer is working, time will tell. But I will tell you something. So far, we we are in the teenage stage of life with our children, and we love our teenagers. And they're chasing after Jesus, and folks. So here's the reality: like I could have decided to sit in my dad wounds forever, and guess what? I would have done to my children. Same thing. It would have just been right. Just how many of you know there's there's actually a thing in the scripture called generational sin. And so here's where I want to get to. I think this is, there's a good question to ask ourselves. to sort of wrap up this point today. And the question is going to come up on the screen. Am I living parentally wounded or parentally bandaged? Ask yourself the question. Am I living parentally wounded or parentally bandaged? I think the answer to that, folks, may reveal some truth about how we may live our lives. And specifically, maybe why loneliness comes our way sometimes. Because we're living parentally wounded rather than parentally bandaged. And and by the way, another side note to that, you may want to come and and, and set up an expended prayer session. Man, I tell you what, that was super powerful for for me. So you may want to set that up. But the other thing you may want to do is you may want to go to counseling. I think that there's still too much of a stigma of uh, people getting into counseling, folks. Like, if you need to go talk about your parental wound, go talk to somebody. If you don't know, we actually have a strategic partnership that we've set up with Michiana Biblical Counseling here in town. And uh, and it's like literally, because of our partnership, it's $20 a session. It's fairly inexpensive. So go talk to somebody. Consider uh, getting healing in the midst of that because the reality is God would love to be the father that covers your father and mother wounds. He wants to be that dad to you. So maybe consider that. Are we living parentally wounded or parentally damaged? I think something to think about. So that's the first thing. Loneliness doesn't stand a chance because parental wounds are supernaturally covered. Second thing, you can fill this in. Loneliness doesn't stand a chance because even in death or defeat, someone's in our corner. Death and defeat, and someone's in our corner. If we look back at the text that goes on in verse five, and we already looked at this part of this, it says, his name is the Lord, a father to the fathers." And here's what I want to talk about in this point is this, right? You can bring up that text, yeah. Um, his name is the Lord, a father to the fathers, a defender of widows is God in his dwelling place. And I looked up that word defender in the original language this week when I was doing my message prep, and it's this word will come up on the screen uh, And it actually means advocate. And so what this is saying in this text is that God is the advocate for the widow, okay? Which is kind of where I get this idea today that even in death or defeat, as the widow mourns, right, he, God, is in her corner. And here's what I want us to catch today, folks. He is in your corner. So this is saying, like, by, by definition, an advocate, I actually looked up the definition of advocate this weekend. An advocate is defined as someone who supports another person, helps them in some way, expresses views and wishes, helping them stand up for something. He basically, is, is, an advocate is there for another person. And so this text puts God in that seat through the Holy Spirit as our advocate. Just track with me for a moment. There's another time in scripture where this word advocate comes into place in John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. And this is where Jesus, he's actually talking to the disciples. He's about ready to to go to the cross. He's about ready to die. He's about ready to leave them. And what he's trying to do to them, he's trying to convince them and, and, and comfort them and reassure them to say, hey, when I'm gone, when you feel alone, he's gonna tell them there's an advocate for them. And, folks, what I think this tells us is that, is that when, when, he, when, when we feel that people are gone, when we feel alone, there is an advocate for us. Look at, this, look at the text. It says, in John 14, 26, it says, but the advocate, there's that word again, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, he's the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. And I love this part. It says, go to the next slide, yeah, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus is saying to his disciples and he's saying to us, he's saying, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, be reassured. Be reassured, folks. You have someone absolutely in your corner always. 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 It's the Holy Spirit of God, which, by the way, has all power to carry the peace that Jesus, he says, my peace, I leave you, right? And he says, your hearts do not have to be troubled. How many of you want to live a life that your heart's not troubled? Come on, right? He says, be reassured, though you're going to feel alone, and I'm not going to be right here physically with you, when you folks, when I feel alone, be assured, reassured that you have the Holy Spirit of God if you're a follower of Christ, Scripture says that when we say yes to Jesus, we get the positive of the Holy Spirit inside of us. You see, we don't have to live lonely and alone if we're in Christ. We have got the Holy Spirit. Now, I say all of that, and I know some of you are probably sitting there thinking, yeah, Matt, that sounds real churchy. I've heard that a hundred times, and I still feel lonely. Here's what I want you to ask yourself today I'm going to ask you this question How often are you really going to the corner? Okay, and and, and so I'm not trying to beat you up in this, but but this is just the way that my life works out. And so here's here's what I want us to think about. I use this image of a boxer for this particular point. There was a specific reason for that because I was thinking this week, um, how well do you guys think a, a boxer in a boxing match will do if he never goes to the corner between rounds? I mean, he might last a couple of rounds, right? But the reality is he's gonna be fairly worthless, right? If he doesn't go to the corner, right? Because the corner, in the corner, he's got his trainer there, right? And, and, and so when he goes there, like the, the trainer can, can give him some water and some refreshment. Right? The, 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 the trainer uh, maybe gives him a little bit of encouragement. He can sit, he can rest for a minute, those kind of things. And he might even get a couple of his scrapes and his bumps and those kind of things kind of bandaged up. He'll get the boost that he needs to keep going. And, and, and again, but if he doesn't go, if like he doesn't actually go sit down in the corner between rounds, he's going to probably be able to last a couple, but then he's going to be lost in the fight. And so, let us, let us, you probably know where I'm going with this, folks. Here's the reality, folks. This is what happens in our life. The truth is that the Holy Spirit is always in your corner. He never leaves, he's always there. But we often, I think, ignore the corner. And here's what I mean by that, right? The Holy Spirit, who has all power to have refreshment, encouragement, rest for us, can take care of our scrapes and our bumps. He's ready like a good trainer in a boxing match, but we bypass the corner. Here's what we do we don't pray. We actually like the idea of prayer, but we're not on our face, in our room, praying our guts out because we're going through a hard time in life. You know what, we we like the idea of prayer, but we don't actually pray. We, right, well, here's what we do. We don't read the scripture. We like the idea of what's in the scripture. Hey, I'll come to church and hear about the scripture. We don't actually open up the word of God and read the actual Bible, right? We skip our small group. We skip church. We don't slow down enough to get all the benefit. We bypass the corner. And then here's the crazy thing. And when we bypass the corner, then we actually have the audacity to go, well, gosh, I don't know why I'm still feeling this way. (laughs) Because we're not going to the corner. We're not getting refreshment. We're not getting rebuilt. I don't know about you, but when my life gets crazy and busy, the first thing that can come off my to-do list is my spiritual life. I'm sure I'm not the only one. We've got to go to the corner because, gosh, if we don't go to the corner, can I tell you, we will experience loneliness and aloneness, and it'll creep in. And by the way, the enemy would like nothing more for you to feel that all the time. And here's the thing. Can I say, there's the other thing. We should just do all the things. How many of you know that we should just do everything that Jesus did? All right, look at, look at Luke 15:16. 16. I'm sorry, 5, 16. It says, but Jesus often, by the way, that's a key word, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So one, it was often. And two, it wasn't that he just was like, oh, I'm going to go sulk in the corner. He prayed. He spent time with God. He went to the corner. The king of kings, Lord of lords, had the, his father in heaven. There is something there. And I don't know about you, but I think I don't, I, I just know in my own life. I just don't go to the corner when life gets tough. I actually try to figure it out on my own. So the question for us folks is if we're feeling lonely and lonely in those times, are we going? Are we going to the, here's the other question. Are we going to go? I think it's something to think about. So that's point number two, loneliness doesn't stand a chance because even in death and defeat, someone's in our corner. Last thing, loneliness doesn't stand a chance because family matters. You can feel that in family matters. Um, you may have actually caught this when I was reading the text originally, but it says in verse six of our text, it says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners while uh, prisoners with singing. And folks, so I just want to simply say it, family matters. Family matters. This verse actually speaks of the value and the benefit of the family unit. I mean, the truth is, is often, at least that's the way it plays out in my life, when, when I feel like I have no one else in the world, can I just say that my family, whether that's mom, uh, even my dad, uh, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, my, my wife, my, my kids, right? They can be the people that, when I have no one else in the world, they'll be the people that I run to. You probably experienced that, right? You have people in your life. Mostly, most likely, every single one of us either have an immediate or extended family member that when life gets tough or, or would get tough, we would run to them. And so there's value in family to, to keep loneliness at bay. God designed family for many things, and, but this is being one of them, to keep loneliness at bay. And so I think it goes without saying that it's important to keep our family relationships healthy. It helped keep us, uh, it, it, I actually put it in my notes this way, uh, it's, it's important for us to keep our loneliness safety net intact. And strong, but uh, if you're anything like me, how many of you know families can be messy? Yeah. I, I, my guess is there's not a single person here that doesn't have some messiness in your family, right? And so these people are actually supposed to be, are, are, um, gosh, some people don't even We don't even talk to some of these people. We don't want to have anything to do with them. We don't even associate them. And they're supposed to be our safety net. We're supposed to be their safety net. And and we literally are just at odds with each other. So folks, this is why, go to the prayer out loud, Jones. This is also part of why I think that we're going to need to pray out loud for people we're in conflict with. Because here's my thought this week man, how cool would it be that if we would actually press into this and and a simple conversation and prayer could bring healing that we've been seeking for 20 years? And so here's my question for you today. Is there anyone in your family you need to reconcile with? And, and I'm going I'm to press on you a little bit, not because I want to make you feel bad, but if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, I want to tell you something. You don't get to opt out of reconciliation. As followers of Christ, we do not, folks, get to opt out of reconciliation. But can I tell you something? We choose that path a lot. Look at 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 18. It says, all this is from God, who reconciled himself, us to himself through Christ. And then here it is, gave us the ministry of Reconciliation. We've been given as followers of Christ the ministry of reconciliation, and then it goes on. It says that God uh, was reconciling the world to himself and Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Can I tell you, I think he put it in there twice because we often don't choose it. And so here's the reality, folks. If you are of Jesus here, if you're following, given, committed your life to Christ, the truth is, is we don't get to opt out of it. And so again, I ask you, who in your family do you need to reconcile with? Can I say that if you feel lonely and alone today, or maybe often, can I say, I think there's something to think about in the midst of, the, of who we need to reconcile is because our safety net, our alone, loneliness safety net is supposed to be the family. It's what God's design has been. And so with our text and our conversation today, what, 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 how often we feel this and the, gosh, family just matters, folks. And we ought to do all we can to live it in a way that we can be in the ministry of reconciliation and connected to each other so that we can be, have a safety net and so our family can also have the safety net through us. Can I, and, and I know I, what I'm saying is not easy. But can I tell you, I think we've given up way too much. We've got to press back in. And so uh, we're going to get ready to close here in a minute. But before we do, I think there's one other piece of this that I want to think, make sure to mention today. Um, and that is, you may have noticed that when I brought up the word family, I had the word family in quotes, and there was a reason for that because, um, folks, I want us to know, though, that um, family can also always be found. Family can also always be found, and what I mean from that is a spiritual sense. Like, finding a group of people to call family uh, spiritually, like a church family, like I know so many of you have done here at Cornerstone, it is key to making sure that loneliness doesn't have a chance in your life. It actually reminded me this week of the text in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Some of this text you might know, but it, it actually sh- starts at the beginning of this. And I, and I think this often gets skipped. It says this in verse 8. It says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And so what we're told of this guy, this is all we know, right, is that essentially, like, it seems like this guy has no family. Like, he's got no family, all right? Maybe his parents died or something. He doesn't seem like he has any brothers. Uh, he has had no children, okay? And so he's, he's alone. But it goes on, right? It says this in uh, the next, next verse. It says, There uh, was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. And this is probably then the part that you actually know, if you've been around the Bible. It says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If, neither of them, if either of them falls down, one can help the other out, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though two, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is, quickly, is not quickly broken. This, I, what I love about this is that this indicates, again, this idea that often gets skipped over with the idea of the fact that the man was alone. Right? This indicates that though he had no family, he still was in need of other people. And a church family, folks, here's what I want to say. A church family can, can be the family where you can be picked up when you fall. Amen. I like you right up here. That's good. (laughs) Folks, family can always be found through the body of Christ. And so I say to some of you, if you find yourself in the spot where this guy in Ecclesiastes found himself, where you don't have family around, can I beg you to plug into this family? Do our discipleship pathway. Don't isolate yourself. Again, by the way, the enemy would love nothing more than just to get you isolated by yourself and pin you down there. And here's what I would ask you. Do the exact, uh, exact opposite of that and literally plug in, be here every week. Like just shut, how many of you, gosh, I would just love to shut the enemy up sometimes. Amen. And so you know why to shut the enemy up in your loneliness is to actually show up to stuff. Come to church, get in a group, serve somewhere. Like, like go ask somebody like, hey, can we have coffee? I actually had coffee on Friday with a guy in the church who usually comes to first service. And it was awesome. Go do the exact opposite of that. I would love to, can we be a church that does this? By the way, it's why we say relationships at our core because this is what I would, I do not want a single person who's part of Cornerstone Church to walk out week after week and feeling alone. This is what the church ought to be, folks. The family believers being there for each other. Can we be that? Let's be that with each other. But by the way, that takes two two sides. You gotta be willing to, to actually step into something, but you also got to be looking for the people to, to help and step in with too. So I think as I wrap this up, um, Abby, you can come on and get, start getting ready. Worship team, you guys can come. Um, I, I think this is some important stuff to think about, like our actual family. How's that, how's the, how are those relationships, folks? How are those relationships? As, how, how, and as well as how much are we doing in the body of Christ. I, th- I think it matters, okay? It's good stuff to chew on. So our, our last point then, loneliness doesn't sh- uh, stand a chance because family matters. I'm going to close today as the worship comes, gets ready. Um, I'm going to close by showing you a video clip. It's actually the, the last final speech of the end of the Enola Holmes first movie. Um, and I think it actually wraps up pretty well everything that we've been talking about today. So take a look at this.
1: My name is Enola, which backwards spells alone. To be a home, you must find your own path. My brothers have. My mother has. And I must too. But I now see that being alone doesn't mean I have to be lonely. Mother never wanted that. She wanted me to find my freedom, my future, my purpose. I am a detective. I am a decipherer. And I'm a finder of lost souls. (laughs) My life is my own. And the future is up to us.
0: To kind of close out today, uh, can you sit down for a second? Um, I love the end of that movie because she says there at the end, right? The future is up to us. And folks, here's what I think the Lord tells us through the text we looked at today is that truly that, that's the case. The future is indeed up to us. stay lonely and alone is really up to us. Now, I do know that there are some circumstances that are outside of our control. We can't control everything else. But here's, I made a list of things. Here's the truth, folks. If we, if we want to continue to carry and live out our woundedness rather than let the God of the universe heal those things, that really is up to us. Like we don't have to live in that woundedness whether we actually go to the corner and tap into the power of the Holy Spirit is up to us. Whether we reconcile with our family when it's needed is up to us. How many of you know that forgiveness isn't because somebody has to ask for it, it's because we're willing to give it? And so here's the question is, what future do you want? What future do I want? So much of our loneliness and alone feelings are in our control. My guess is, is if you're like me, I don't like those times in my life, and so I want to make sure to take a hold of and grab onto these truths today and live this out. And I think you probably do as well. So, with that, why don't you stand? Here's how we're going to end our time together today. We're going to sing a song together. And uh, the song uh, is a responsive worship opportunity. So when we do this, it's, it's, there will be music and singing. And so you'll sing the song, there'll be music going on. But it's also uh, beyond that. It's, it's a time for you to listen for the Spirit of God. If there was something specific that was in today's teaching that was for you. So be listening for the voice of God as we, as we sing this song together. And then I'm going to give you a couple opportunities to receive prayer today. Okay? So let's sing this song together. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.